amores, welcome to the second episode of Ta Cabrona. I am your host, Lulu, along with my sister, our co-host, Andrea. And we are celebrating today because our podcast has reached listeners in France and Canada. What? Oui, oui. That was corny, but we're going to let that slide because we're celebrating. So on today's episode, we will be talking about mental health, specifically opening up about depression and anxiety. So I just wanted to warn you guys prior that it is a very heavy topic. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not, like, I was the type of person that did not believe in mental health when I was younger. I was so, like just stuck on just that mindset no that you know people are crazy and um because that's what i heard you know that if there was something wrong with your head or you know that you were crazy andrea did you believe in mental health i mean before really learning about it or you know growing up um i definitely did i saw my dad struggling a lot with alcohol and I, even though I was little, I understood very young that there was obviously something more than just he was he was crazy or, or lazy or whatnot. I could tell that he was really sad and used alcohol to get out of that state that he was in. And I also knew that I probably had something going on with me, but I never actually understood what it was until I got older. So I've had my share of trauma And when I mean share, I mean a shitload (laughs) my entire life. And I just didn't really understand what it was because I've been, I've, I've been taught, I've been um, conditioned to, you know, think that like the shit people throw at you makes you stronger when in reality, I shouldn't have had to be strong. You know, I shouldn't have had to go through these things. I should have felt safe. So in my experience with mental health, let's take it back to March of 2019. That was a really hard time for me. I mentioned hitting rock bottom. That was rock bottom. So I remember going to work every day and just crying in my car Um, right before I would kind of like prep myself like, okay, you're going to go and you're going to do this. I was doing that because I knew that I could not afford to leave that job. I knew that I was head of household. I knew that my mom couldn't afford rent without me. I knew that I had bills to pay, that I had car insurance, car payments. I just couldn't afford to take time for myself, or so I thought. At that point in my life, I was still glorifying overworking. I took pride in going to work six six days a week, opening to close, giving my life to this job, you know, that I thought was my life. It became my entire life. It consumed me. And if I failed, if I decided to quit, I knew that I was going to be seen as weak. And that's not something that I was prepared to even deal with. As first generation... And as the eldest daughter, I feel that we are put like a huge responsibility. We're kind of made to be the backbone of the family. So on top of all these pressures, they are the reason why I decided to show up every single day. I decided to push myself through. I kept telling myself, tu puedes, tu puedes. 
and um, I didn't really have anybody to confide in at that at that moment in time. I I really felt like I would be judged, like nobody would understand. So I continued to push through until I just I literally could not do it anymore. I found myself breaking down at the easiest things. I would cry. I remember crying for for anything. I became so short-tempered because not only was I crying and everything, everything would make me angry because I noticed that my patience was thinning. Everything made me mad outside of work. At work, I would pretend to be calm. Nobody knew I was crying in my car. But when I got home, I, I didn't realize that I was taking out all of my anger on my family and my relationship and even with friends, I just noticed that, you know, I was pulling away because all of my energy was being concentrated into surviving. I also started drinking every day. Um, I didn't realize that I had developed an alcohol abuse disorder. That was something that I just didn't see. I didn't comprehend. I just looked at it as I deserve it. I've had a long day at work. But when you're drinking every day and crying in your car, it really took me a lot to even consider the fact that I was going through something, something deeper that I didn't understand yet. As a matter of fact, in the past episode, we mentioned talking about how, you know, having body image issues and everything else. So I began to drink and I wasn't eating. So at this point... I, had, I, I got a lot of compliments. A lot of family members were like, Wow, estás flaca. Why? Because I wasn't eating. I was drinking. I was putting all my calories into drinking. And they didn't know that. Neither did I think they would care. And I'm not going to lie, like receiving these compliments made me feel good. They did. As shitty as that fucking sounds. I felt good because in my head, I was like, Estás flaca. Estás flaca, Lupe. And you look good. Fuck the struggle. That was how I excused my behavior, how I ignored my behavior and my struggle. But I looked good. Now, the realizations started to happen when... I started having suicidal thoughts. I started making plans because the pressure was so much. The pressure of not being able to leave your job and the pressure of not looking like a weak-ass bitch. So my only option at the time, I thought, suicide. I could kill myself and the life insurance would pay everything. So my family didn't have to suffer. I began to feel like such a fucking burden. I got to a point where I considered looking for help. I considered looking for a therapist, looking for a psychiatrist, um, but I just felt like I would be judged. Just like I said, I really believed at that moment in time, I believed all these things that now I know are, 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 are not true. But at that moment in time, I told myself, no. No estás loca. No estás loca. And I couldn't tell my mom. I couldn't tell my sister. 
but I did know that I was struggling. That's when it that's when it hit me. Like this is not normal. Now, one day I remember getting home from work while having these thoughts and I look at my mom and something in me told me, tell her. Something in me told me at least tell your sister, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it in me to tell them that I didn't want to live anymore. I couldn't find them find it in me to tell them that I couldn't do this anymore because I kind of felt the judgment before it happened, the way I was raised, the way I was conditioned to think that women can handle anything, that women can take anything, especially if it's pain. I finally decided to open up to my family. Um, we I remember her so clearly because we were at a party. We were kind of in public, but at the same time not. I was sitting inside um, a family friend's living room, and I was so deep in thought. There was a whole ass party going on around me, and I was just sitting in my chair having suicidal thoughts. <laughs> And I think my sister was with me and me estaba haciendo la plática. And, you know, I pretended the hardest I could to pretend like everything was okay when it wasn't. Um, then my mom came in and I don't know what took me over that I said, tell her. Tell her right here, right now. In my head, I thought, if you tell her in public, she won't be able to judge you as much. She won't be able to make a scene as as much. So she asked me if everything was okay, just like she always does. But this time it was different. I looked her in the eyes and I said, Ma, I said, I don't want to live anymore. I said, I can't do this anymore. And she looks at me and she goes, ¿Qué? She goes, Mi hija no está loca. And I said, Mom, I need help. Because if I don't get help, I said, I don't know how much longer I can do this. She just kept repeating, Mi hija no esta loca, mi hija no esta loca. And I was so upset at the way she responded that I looked at her and I said, Ma, tu hija si esta loca. Because that was the only way that I could get her to understand that I was struggling, that I was really struggling and I needed support, I needed comfort. Now, Andrea's here and I don't think I've, I don't think we ever talked about that moment. Andrea, I know you were there, but I don't think I ever asked you what you thought or what was going through your mind when you heard me say that. I always knew my sister was struggling. Um, I knew that she would come home, I knew she would cry, I knew she would go to her car after work and have a cigarette because her car would always constantly smell disgusting, but yes, I do remember that moment, that moment I I cried my eyes out and I realized I don't, I don't want my sister to die, I don't want her to leave me, she's my best friend on, on this earth and I couldn't imagine a life without her, so I, I told my mom, I was like, please, please, stop, like, my mom would constantly push her to her limits and I'd be like, please stop. I don't want her to harm herself. And I know that that's where this is headed if you keep doing this. And my mom was like, 
but she's not crazy and i'm like ma she may not be crazy but she's struggling so please just listen to her listen to what she has to say and just stop pushing her so much just like i mentioned in the previous episode i'm super grateful for my sister sometimes i think she's the only reason i'm here because my sister is like the middle literally between my mom and me we're like on total different opposite poles she's north and i'm south and my sister is the middle our middle ground what we always compromise for now andrea um i actually didn't even know that you noticed that i was struggling i didn't know that you knew as far as i'm concerned i did my best to hide my pain i didn't want you to notice and i think that's that's not something that i should have i felt like i should have been more open more honest but i tried so hard i feel like my entire life i've been trying to hide andrea from the pain not only from the abandonment from my dad but my mom's problems my problems um sorry i would like to say that i've always been very observant of this family i'm an observer i sit back i stay quiet but i'm always constantly listening and noticing little things whether it was my dad hiding his bottles under a couch or my sister trying to hide her cigarettes and her crying i i've always observed and noticed these little things that have always added up in the end and i i told my mom i was like i was when i was actually really really worried i would tell my mom what was happening and i'd be like mom please she needs actual help she can't do this alone like support her it's crazy that you mentioned that andrea because now looking back at it i do notice that you do observe a lot of things a lot of things that i would have never ever wanted have wanted you to see because i was trying to protect you but i am the complete opposite i am a fixer i try to fix everything i try to fix everyone even if i need help i tend to overlook my problems to help others to make things work But after that conversation at the party, I realized that the fixer needed some help fixing. So I decided to look towards a psychiatrist, um, which was really hard for me, against my mom's wishes. I looked for a psychiatrist and I started seeing a psychiatrist. I was able to tell them everything that was happening to me. They asked me how I wanted to go about things. As a matter of fact, I was seeing a psychiatrist on virtual, virtually, because I did not even have time to go to the doctor. I was so busy working. I was so busy trying to make all the puzzle pieces fit that I was literally on lunch seeing a doctor. When I could have just taken my PTO, that was was mine. Now, my mom has always been the type to be like, Si tienes que ir al doctor, ve. But I realized that the only health she thought about was physical. It was always to be healthy physically. It was never take the day off if your mind needs a little rest. And that's something that I've had to learn on my own. So I remember going to the psychiatrist virtually 
and he noticed how emotionally drained I was, how exhausted I was. And he said, he said, you need to either leave this job or take a break. And at that point, I told myself, I can't do either. I said, because I need this job to pay bills. And he told me, he was like, I can prescribe medication. He's like, but to be honest with you, it's not going to work if you're still in the environment. Yeah, you'll probably be more calm. He's like, but if this person has it out for you, you need to leave. And I agreed to taking the medication because I didn't think that any time off that I would have would be paid. And I do remember I had a PTO. I had a lot because I was so about not taking my PTO. I was like, yeah, I have like four weeks vacation. And at that point, I was like, I can go whenever I want. But in reality, no, I couldn't because any time I requested was denied. Now, I remember seeing like a green, like not a green light, right? But like a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's how you say it. Um, when they, when the possibility came up of me being transferred out, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'll be able to pay bills. I'll be able to get out of here and maybe I can be happy again. Wrong. That transfer didn't end up going through because my manager end up, ended up calling the other manager and telling them that I was a lazy fuck, which was not true, but that's a story for another episode. Now, I showed up to this job for nine months, nine months that I will never get back, and every day I cried. Every day I was angry. Even with the medication, I felt numb, but I still knew that I was struggling. I remember one day I just decided, fuck it. I talked to my psychiatrist and I told him, I was like, how can I take time off without risking my pay? I said, because a lot of people depend on me. And he told me, he was like, there's something called paid family leave. He said, where you can take time off to take care of your mental health and you can get paid for it. He said, that's what I recommend for you because at this point, He said, you've already talked to HR, you've already talked to everybody that you've needed to talk to. They are risking your health to fill a spot. And they said, and that he said, and that's not okay. So the next day I was getting ready for work and I realized that I was done, that there was another way besides suicide. I could take time off. So what I did was literally an hour before i had to be at work i texted my manager the one who's made my life who made my life miserable at that moment and i told her i'm not coming in because of abc and fuck did i feel a weight lifted off my shoulders i decided that i wasn't gonna let this woman ruin my life anymore i decided to take matters into my own hands even if i was still fucking struggling i said i deserve a chance so the next day i was at a psychiatrist but this time it was in person because i finally had time to go to a doctor in person after putting my health at risk for nine months i finally had time so after leaving that job you would think that you know my my depression my anxiety would magically disappear that was not the case 
I was having flashbacks, I was having nightmares, I still thought, I still had the anxiety of being watched and judged constantly. My friendship suffered, my relationship suffered, the relationship with my family was also very strained. But I was finally out and now deciding on what to do next, on how to start my healing process. I became a huge homebody besides like I would only go to doctors and I would go home. I would stay in. I would order takeout because I couldn't be seen in public. I would sweat whenever I went to the grocery store. The anxiety would consume me. In total, I took about a month and a half off before my job called me. But they wanted to place me in the same place with the same manager and um my doctor specifically wrote in the notes that I was only to return to work if I was not to return to that manager. And they really, really tried it. They really pushed to put me in the same place. My return to work was very great for me because I had spent a month and a half off and I thought to myself, everything's going to be okay now. You're going to be under a different person. I said, maybe this will help with your healing as well to step back inside a bank. I, my manager, well, my new manager was very, very patient. Um, he understood that I had anxiety. He understood. I didn't feel rushed anymore because my new manager was very patient, but I was still under the impression that I had to rush. At my old job, we used to be timed. Um, I used to feel like I was walking on eggshells and being at the bank, I still felt that way even though the pressure was gone because I was, I still hadn't healed. That month and a half off was not enough. But I was super grateful not to be under that manager anymore. Unfortunately, she was still working for the bank at that time, even after several complaints from not just me, but everybody else. Now, I was laid off from that job that I was doing better in in 2020 they laid me off quietly but like i said that's a story for another episode now i'm not gonna lie every time i tell my story it drains me it drains me emotionally because i remember where i was and how i was at that moment in time so clearly and so vividly um and i'm always afraid even now even after i know you know the power of sharing these things very openly it's, I'm still afraid of judgment. I'm still afraid of people looking at me like, fuck, this bitch just wants attention. But to be honest with you, I have been through it. I have been through it. It's my story. And I personally don't want to give a fuck anymore about the judgment. Because I am done with hiding my pain. I am done with pretending everything is okay. I used to think crying was weak, and now crying, I know, is the healthiest thing that I could ever do. Because I feel so much better after a cry session. I'm just like, fuck. Let me get back up. Now, if I were to talk to the Lupe from 2019, I would have probably told her to look for help earlier. But I can't judge her because at that moment in time, she didn't know what she was dealing with. She was stuck with the mentality of people are just crazy. She was she was really stuck and I know she was doing the best that she can. 
So to the Lupe of 2019, I forgive you, bitch. I forgive you. And I'm so grateful that you're still here. I'm so grateful that we are still here. I share my story because I really, if you're going through something deep and you might not understand it completely, I beg you to confide in someone. Please. And as a depressed person, I am telling family members who may not fully understand mental health yet, I'm telling you, if somebody confides in you, please just listen. Just listen because sometimes they may not even understand it and they're trying to figure out a way to confide in you, to tell you. But most of these struggles, we don't even understand ourselves. But by just listening, just being there, I had friends who would reach out who knew what I was going through and they knew that I would disappear because I was trying to make sense of things. But honestly, just those messages to let your friends know that you are there whenever they're ready to come back or whenever they want to talk, they mean everything. Everything. And as a family member of a depressed person, just constantly, obviously, sometimes they're going to want to shut themselves out. They're going to want to be in their rooms, not talk to anybody. Just let them know you are there whenever they want to talk. You love them very much and you would never want them to leave you because they mean the world to you and you would never want any harm to come to them. So that is my message. It's very hard for me to talk about the alcohol abuse. It's very hard for me to talk about the strain on my relationships. But I do it because I believe that talking about these things openly will help eliminate, well not really eliminate, but help close the gap of the stigma that we have about not talking about mental health, about believing that pain makes you stronger. I don't think like that anymore. And I wouldn't want anybody that's trying to survive to associate being stronger with pain. I don't wish that for you and I don't wish that for me. Community, thank you for being here. I know this was a very heavy topic but I appreciate you guys giving us a chance and listening. Now, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. We are now available on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you're following us on Instagram, we are having a podcast subscriber giveaway this week. So please stay tuned for that. Se cuidan, los amo. Y remember que está cabrona la cosa. Bye.